0: Football. Hey, we're gonna get back to the
1: show in just a second, but a quick shout out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Federated is here to help business owners, and they've been uh, they've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over a hundred years. During pandemic periods and non pandemic periods, it really just helps tremendously to have an insurance company that gives you peace of mind as you navigate the challenges of running a business. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from over a century of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. And remember, at Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours.
0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know, nonstop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com.
1: I think Hunter's best play is to continue on the path he's currently on. I you're you're you're, who's going to pay him the kind of money that he's looking for, especially if he thinks he's worth Joey Bosa money. You got to prove yourself healthy and able. No one's going to take that leap of faith on a guy who missed all of last season. He's not getting twenty seven million. And you're right. Shaq Barrett's getting 17 with the opportunity to go to 18 on a four year deal. He he just he just needs to. And and, uh, look, I'm always a proponent of players getting everything they can. And he needs to think through all of his options and make a good decision. He needs good advice from his agents on what to do. Welcome into Purple Daily. That, of course, was uh, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, talking about uh, the D- Daniil Hunter situation, which we're going to get to. Uh, Chad Graff of The Athletic wrote a piece yesterday about uh, Daniil Hunter and his unhappiness with his contract, which is not new news, but it is developing news, and it's something that uh, certainly will be interesting as the off season continues for the Vikings. We're also going to get into... Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, who the Vikings last night uh, signed. It's a very interesting signing. I don't know what makes a ton of sense, but what do I know? Um, know. Also, there might be a certain safety who found out his market was not what he thought it was and might be coming back. We'll talk about that as well. It's Zolgan, Declan Goff. Uh, Phil Mackey out for this edition of Purple Daily. He'll certainly join us. And uh, if something happens, we uh, could be back during the course of the day. So Phil could join us at that time. Uh, before we get started, though, and we will start with what Florio had to say, Declan Goff, about uh, Daniil Hunter and his situation. When things aren't going well for the Vikings or when there is um perhaps a crisis at, uh, at TCO Performance Center, what would you advise that the Vikings do?
0: Well, I think you, if you're the Vikings, I mean, you definitely listen to all calls. Like it's not like you you don't shut up. You don't hang up the phone the moment someone asks about Daniil Hunter's availability. I think that'd be foolish. I think it'd be absolutely foolish not to at least entertain the phone call. At the same time, I mean, Daniil's coming off significant neck injury and I think the Vikings hold the cards here. Now, Daniil can sit out and if Daniil wants to sit out and not get paid and, 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 and get fined, okay. But I think the Vikings control the leverage here. I really think that they control the majority of the leverage. I don't think it's just 100% Vikings, but they control this situation. So you have two options. You can either trade in and listen to calls. You can try to restructure this deal to lower the cap, but get him more, you know, guaranteed money, signing bonus, whatever the hell he wants just to get his, his you know, his, his, in- his inbox a little bit more full. But if I'm the Vikings, I control the cards here that I'm also not going to just be like, no, you're going to honor this contract, come and come up to mini camp and training camp and show up at this, at this price. Cause that's not going to work. But I think the Vikings control the situation, not necessarily Daniel Hunter.
1: What I would do in a time of crisis, what I would do if I were the Vikings is I would head to my fridge okay, and I would pull out a Corona hard. Oh, wow. Look at you. That's what I would do. Okay. Yeah. I'd say, screw all the real life problems? How can I make things simpler for me? How can I put myself in a better frame of mind and a better mood? And that, my friend, is with a Corona hard
0: seltzer. You know, Judd, I, I drank all of them last night after our therapy session on Vikings, uh, our free agency, free agency roundup we did yet last evening just because I was so upset and so uh, dang, dang upset and people con- you know, claiming that I'm a Packers fan nowadays. I had to just slam well, the rest of my Corona Seltzer. You did say that you like them. I said I enjoy watching them. I don't yeah. think that's too crazy. Uh, they <laughs> don't like that here. They don't like it either. But Corona Hard Seltzer is the only hard seltzer made with pure beach fives with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime. Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer, spike sparkling water with natural flavors, imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
1: Can I give you a theory about why I think, and it's not the it's not the only reason why Declan Goff, but I have a theory about why I think the Vikings might have uh, had some problems in trying to sign uh, their top free agent defensive end target as the. Legal tampering period started on Monday, was a guy named Carl Lawson who went from the Bengals to the Jets. Their backup plan was a guy named Trey Hendrickson who went from the Saints to the Bengals to replace Lawson. After doing some digging on their contracts, I have a theory why it might have been a problem and why there might have been a hang-up in the Vikings trying to sign them, despite their desire at the start of the day to add an impact defensive end who in their mind, right or wrong, they can team with Daniil Hunter at the left end to present what they would hope would be the equivalent and or an improvement on what they had previously with Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter. Here's where I think part of the problem lies, okay? Okay. And it's very, very simple. Trey Hendrickson and Carl Lawson in their new contracts got an average annual value So that's what their contract is going, that's what people are going to see as their average payday per season. And the Henderson contract is for four years. The Lawson is for, his contract is for three years, $15 million, okay? Which is, in today's market, probably the going rate. Daniil Hunter currently, currently, and this is why you got to look at this contract and do something probably, has an average annual value in his contract he makes per year 14.4 million so in other words you've got a guy who when healthy is an outstanding player 14 and a half sacks in 2018 and 19 and didn't play in 20 he is when healthy one of the best now i understand that there's a neck problem here and i totally get that that's a big concern but what i am saying is could you have as an organization given a contract that if Lawson or Hendrickson had come here would have exceeded Hunter's contract when he's already upset without immediately increasing his contract. I'm just throwing that out there as a possible hiccup in the pursuit of players. If you don't have a full intention of telling Daniel right now, we will take care of you immediately. And they might not. I don't know. Like the cap's coming down, I don't know, right? But I think that that might have presented a fly in the ointment here of the grand plan of could you could your head have hit the pillow last night in the case of Hunter and the case of the Vikings, knowing that for instance Carl Lawson's average annual income now with the Vikings, if he had sat here, would have been more than a guy who, when healthy, has presented himself as an absolute superstar. It's part of the reason why. The Hunter contract needs to be addressed.
0: Absolutely, I personally think if if the Vikings went out and and they shelled out the dough for let's say it's Hendrickson or Lawson, I think that's Daniil Hunter's replacement. I I don't I don't look at it as oh that's that's our guy we're going to beef up and we're going to have a tag team of Hunter and Lawson or Hunter and Hendrickson on the ends and that's going to be our next you know Everson Daniel situation. I look at it as that would have been Daniel Hunter's replacement because I just don't I don't really see how. You are going to be able to then also restructure Deniel, give him the money he wants, keep him happy. Now, the idea of a Trey Hendrickson and Deniel Hunter on the same line is awesome. That's ferocious. That might be one of the best two defensive ends in the league, right there, right? Sure. But I personally think if you land one of those guys, I just don't understand how you'd be able then to renegotiate Deniel's deal, also you know sew up your offensive line, give enough money for for your draft class. Like, I think that was their plan A. Was to get one of those two guys to replace Daniel Hunter, and then recoup, the, and then you trade Daniel, get some draft assets back, also then still free up some money because you wouldn't have to pay Daniel Hunter. I think that was their plan A. That that's my guess.
1: I think their plan A was to was to basically close their eyes and pray that a guy like Lawson was going to get fourteen something, and that they could match that and pay that. Um, I think in Zimmer's world, he very much saw. And in some ways I I don't know that Mike I don't know how much Mike takes the business of football in, into account I think lots of times he, he just sees opportunity as far as personnel goes on the field defensively especially more so than offensively I think their goal at the beginning of the day was the cap is coming down teams don't have as much to spend we are going to go after Lawson and then Hendrickson and we don't think that they're going to get 15 mil that's my guess. I really do believe that they, that, that in their idealistic world, they were hoping that they could pair those two, which is, which, if that's the case, doesn't make a ton of sense because Daniil Hunter, no matter what, was going to be unhappy. The difference is if you had come to him and said, we got Carl Lawson, he said, that's awesome. What are you paying him? And you said, we're paying him more than we're paying you. I mean, it's already bad. All hell breaks loose, right? Yes. So all right. The Vikings, in fact we, we did an emergency I guess purple daily it, it turned last into, night it turned into a therapy, therapy session yes. last night at yes. which Phil at which Phil called the opening hours of the open uh, of the legal tampering period a disaster. Now keep in mind, you can't sign players. Uh deals can be agreed to. You can't sign players until 3 p.m. Central on Wednesday. So As we did the episode, deals were being agreed to. And I think, I believe during the course of our show, as we discussed things, Lawson did agree to his deal with the Jets, at which point I think Phil did say, this is a disaster for day one for the Vikings because they didn't get Joe Tooney, they didn't get Lawson, they ultimately didn't get Hendrickson. After we signed off, (laughs) to use an old term, we got a deal, okay? Yep. We got a deal and i don't know what to think of this deal now number 1 the vikings abandoned ship on defensive ends and i don't know if they don't like the rest of the guys out there that much or what i mean that's a possibility uh but we did a we did a pivot from we want starting the day to try and land what they consider to be an elite pass rushing defensive end to okay bleep that we didn't get that We are going to move inside Declan Goff, and we are going to pursue a defensive tackle. And here's where it gets interesting. They not only pursued a defensive tackle, they pursued what amounts to a nose tackle. The man's name is Delvin Tomlinson. Yep. Second round pick by the New York Giants in 2017, by all accounts, a good guy. He is listed at 63 318 I will remind you Pat Williams was I believe listed at the exact same weight. So until we see him 318 might be a figment of some scale's imagination. Okay. Don't count on that, okay? You, yep, got it. But he is he is more of a nose tackle than a 3 tack, and where you stop and say hold on a second here. Yep. So I got, I got I got something in the back of my brain here about last year. Hold on, hold on. What is it? Last year, the Minnesota Vikings, didn't they? Okay, their big free agent splash was another guy named Michael Pierce. Yeah, who opted out after signing a three-year, twenty-seven million-dollar contract. He opted out because of his health concerns regarding COVID nineteen for two thousand twenty. He is six three, six feet, three hundred and forty pounds, big boy. So wait, wait, wait. Dalvin Tomlinson, who can play some three tech, is known far more as a nose tackle himself. And you just, last night, signed him to a two-year, $22 million contract that includes $20 million in guaranteed, 16 mil fully guaranteed, um, $16 million in the first year. So don't you have two nose tackles? And if so, why? Now, the Vikings will say, no, no, no. In their estimation, Dalvin Tomlinson can play the three-tech, which is ordinarily not as big of a guy and is... right and is more, in 2021 especially, a guy that can get a push. Big fat guys in the 90s were the norm. So you could put a couple of big fat guys, and they could, and and you didn't, I don't think at that point in time, it, it's fair to say this, you didn't expect the consistent pressure from those positions, but look at the league now, and if you go around and look at the top teams, a lot of them have, have two guys in the middle who you consider athletic. And lots of times the three tech is an outstanding player who gets a push on the quarterback and flat out gets pressure. And the advantage there is, is if I'm an elite defensive end, my route to get to the quarterback is still, I've got to go around the tackle and I'm coming from the outside in. If you are an elite three technique who can get pressure from the inside Declan Goff, the ball is snapped. I push an a guard or center out of my way. And as we've seen Kirk Cousins struggle with, I am immediately in the face of the quarterback. Big advantage there. Yep. So the Vikings, though, signed Tomlinson, and I think that there is a good question to ask here, which is, hold on a second. You've now got two guys who can stuff the run, and and the Vikings need help there. Go back to that Saints game on Christmas Day. It was a disaster. The Vikings were 27th in the league last year against... The run, which for them is absolutely awful because they're ordinarily pretty stout against the run. So that's the good side. But I think a fair question is, are you really going to be able to get a push from inside in the pass rush if Tomlinson and Pierce are side-by-side and on obvious passing downs, Pierce is going to come out, Tomlinson stays in, which does put pressure on him to get pressure on the quarterback consistently and I think it's very fair to wonder if that's going to be a possibility.
0: I think uh, what, what they're hoping for here, and to put on my defensive line scouting hat, um, yes, I'm just going to assume the Neil Hunter's on your left end for right now, just for the sake of this argument. Mm-hmm. Neil Hunter's on your left end. I think you have Thomason as your nose tackle. And I think Michael Pierce actually slides in as your three technique. So Pierce has been doing this crazy crossfit. He's in the best shape of his life. Darren, you know, Doogie to talk talked to us about that. So he he might not be as your prototypical fat guy or or even nose tackle body to be a little bit more gracious that he was when he was with Baltimore. So as we as uh, you as you explained, the three technique is not necessarily the bigger, wider guy. It's a guy who's a little bit more athletic and can get a is a little faster and quicker and get a little bit more push and create more pressure necessarily uh than a nose tackle can. And I think that's probably what the Vikings are banking on. That Michael Pierce with this new slim down and this new athletic build, and even though it's a position he hasn't really played a whole lot of before, I mean, he's played some, they're hoping he can slide and be that three technique. I think that's what their thought process is here. Duke tweeted that that they
1: basically uh, called Pierce and said you're still our nose tackle. So
0: they're going to put Delvin Tomlinson
1: as so Tomlinson is. And and keep in mind, but, Tomlinson's not as big. It's just interesting is that what you've done is you've essentially signed two guys who are nose tackles in a league and an era where you 100% want one of them to consistently get a push. And unless Tomlinson, unless things change there, I don't know that he can be counted on to do that. Now, now you might be great against the run and it might, or it should, because they're both so big, enable your linebackers' freedom to move as well. That's the good side. The interesting or the potential downside is on passing downs, Tomlinson staying in, is he going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback? The other potential here is that they have a trick up their sleeve uh, on passing downs because this certainly is a possibility to move a defensive end inside. I would love to see, look, the game plan that Zimmer came up with for the Saints playoff game is one of the best game plans I think that he has had in his time here as coach. Yeah, And that involved what? That involved taking Griffin and Hunter at times and putting them inside and getting an interior push, which I do contend if you can do it is the best thing possible because you are then in the quarterback's face immediately. There's no waiting. There's no, there's no, I've got to get around the tackle and now I've got to get around the chip block. You basically are coming up that gut. Yeah. So perhaps there's a different idea here. And I do think that Zimmer, who is, who is, uh, how can I put this nicely prone to overreaction? Probably looked at a couple of those games, including that Christmas day saints game And said, never again. Right. Because the Vikings in against the run got embarrassed. Correct. Like, they got pushed aside. They got beat up. They were unprepared. They looked uncoached, which is really bad. Um, So, I think that this is a, a reaction to games like that. But what I would hope is that there is an idea about maybe taking an outside guy on passing downs and getting him inside. To create pressure, which they would not talk about pub- publicly because it doesn't do them any good to tip their hand about that.
0: Right. And, I, you know, th- their thought process here, too, is I think they obviously want to slow down the run. The Vikings could not stop the run to save their lives last season. And now you have two dudes who are combined 660 pounds in the middle. Whoever is that three technique, whoever that nose tackle, there is almost 700 bleeping pounds of guy right there. Mm-hmm. And Tomlinson, according to PFF last year, was a very solid. Um, seventy-five point one PFM grade. That was twentieth in the NFL. So I mean, this guy is a, a very good defensive lineman. It's very similar to the Linval Joseph signing. It's almost the exact same thing. But he he played came the in Giants. as a nose, correct? Like he, like he
1: had his role,
0: correct, from and, day one. And it doesn't. We don't really know what the Vikings will plan to do. I will say this. Um, and I got bit on the ass a little bit of it at, uh, with this same comment going into the twenty twenty season. That I Mike Zimmer. I trusted him even when Daniil opted out that he was going to be able to create pressure and get unique and, and figure out ways to use Shamar Stefan and and Jaleel Johnson in 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 effective ways. Well, Zimmer can only do so much magic with such little talent available and having Pierce and Tomlinson now on your defensive line is a significant upgrade. than Jaleel Johnson's, et cetera. So I'm curious to see how he's able to use them in general. Who, who is at the three technique? Who's at the nose tackle? How you want to split them up? I, I do think he's going to have a little bit more tools in his shed, if you will, uh, to create something.
1: Where I lost a little bit of faith in Mike last year was, and th- there was, there was certainly with Pierce opting out, um, with Barr being hurt, with uh, Hunter being um, hurt or ha- having to have neck surgery. There was certainly some bad luck involved. Where I lost faith in Mike Zimmer a year ago in train or in in the off season into training camp. Was the fact that the Vikings and Mike were so cocksure that they didn't need a veteran corner, and every one of us said, "You're not going to sign one veteran corner, like you're not going to have anyone to stabilize a, a backside with, you know, draft picks in um in Gladney and in Dantzler," and they were like, "No, we're fine." It's like, <laughs> no, you're not fine. And for them to come out after the season, then, and I think it was Mike who said, "Yeah, we we misjudged that one." Well, no bleep, Sherlock. Like, yeah, you did. We all told you that. Like, if we could tell you that, something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so he, here's what PFF wrote about Tomlinson um, as far as their scouting profile. It says, Tomlinson has a distinct profile as an above-average run defender and a below-average pass rusher. He ranks in the 82nd percentile in PFF run defense grade since 2017, and he knows how to finish plays, generating one of the best run-stopping percentages in the league. As a pass rusher, Tomlinson is only graded above 62.3 once. That was last year, 74.7. He can play all over the, the defensive interior, though, and represents one of the best run-stopping nose tackles in this class. So I would say, you know what's funny about this? I just thought of this, too. Here's what's funny about this. Do you know Zim goes to bed at night saying, I gotta run the ball, and I gotta stop the run. Oh yeah! And meanwhile, watch the highlights of this league. Now it's a high flying wire act passing league, right? Like it's offense. How are we gonna get offense? We got Aaron Rodgers. We got Russell Wilson. We got uh, Deshaun Watson. We got Patrick Mahomes. I feel like Zim's the walls of Zim's bedroom probably resemble what mine did as a youth, which was like poster of Chuck Foreman. Poster of, you know, big nose tackle who can stop the run. Like, his life is, he is, I I believe the man in some ways, God bless him, I think he's stuck in circa 1984. Oh, totally. Or 1977. Like, he goes to bed dreaming of Franco Harris and Earl Campbell and that great Monday night tilt between the Dolphins and and the the, uh, Houston Oilers at the Astrodome and the tearaway jersey of Earl Campbell. And he thinks to himself, I need an Earl Campbell, and I need a guy to stop Earl Campbell. I really think his bedroom probably is a series of posters of running backs and nose tackles, and all of them have bloody, like, noses and stuff. Oh, yeah. And every one of them is a yellowing poster because they're from the 70s. Because, I mean, you look at this. What's he trying to do? I got to stop the run. I'm going to stop the run. Okay, that's cool. But what about the pass? And how do you plan to win? I'm going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball with Dalvin. Like his two guys now are (laughs) Dalvins. Dalvin the run stopper and Dalvin the runner. Yeah, it is absolutely hilarious.
0: He's got his his quirks, man. That's Mike Zimmer and 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 red wine by the way. Don't forget his.
1: And I will say this one. So here's what I think the pivot is going to be today. And I don't believe that there's news um, at this point about Shaq Griffin. Um,
0: As we record, Ian Ian Rappaport just tweeted out um, not too long ago. Okay. So this is uh, on Shaq Griffin as I try to pull it up here. Yeah. But basically, here we go. Uh, The Seahawks are making a hard push to keep one of their own, cornerback Shaquille Griffin. But source said they're working to get him to stay, but he has two strong offers and will decide soon.
1: And one of them is from the Vikings for sure. And one of them is from the Vikings. And what I was going to say is, I think where the pivot hit has come and keep in mind too, if you are frustrated by the lack of attention to offense, I can't help you here. Like you're right. Like there's nothing that the Vikings are doing offensively with that line right now to help themselves. So if you are saying, Judd, defense again, again and again, the answer is yes. Um, where I, I think the pivot has come as far as free agents go is this one. So Lawson and or Hendrickson would have given you potentially um, a bookend if Daniil comes back of guys who could get after the quarterback. Who does that help the most? The back end, right? Yeah. Because if the quarterback doesn't have time to throw and has to make snap decisions, the cornerbacks, especially lives, become much simpler. Well, clearly the Vikings swung and missed on both of their targets uh, to complement Hunter probably – what would have been at right defensive end. So the Shaq Griffin pursuit to me now um, comes down to this. If we can't get the bookend to create pressure, we for sure, and they're not necessarily wrong here. I don't know for sure, um, but they for sure think we'll get a better back end. And so your potential starting corners, if they were to get Griffin, and we don't know if they're going to or not, but if they were to get Shaq Griffin, your potential starting corners – on the outside would be Dantzler and Griffin. Yeah. And and Gladney would um, move inside to the nickel position, which is essentially a starting job. And my guess is that they, I don't know if Mike Hughes coming off back-to-back neck problems can play or not, but I think they have passed the point of no return as far as trusting him to play.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm done on Mike
1: Hughes. <laughs> but if they swing and miss on at corner as well, I guess my question is this. What's the plan now? And I got another question. Okay. Offensive line. Like, are we talking about O'Neal going now to left tackle, which creates a hole at right tackle? Are we talking about uh, trying to draft in in the first round uh, Slater to have him slide in at left tackle? Because it looked like they definitely made an attempt to sign Tooney, and after that, I can't tell. I can't tell. And that doesn't mean that they won't sign a guy. But I'm just saying, as far as their intentions to try, and if this team is going to be a contender to improve this team, it does sound like there have been talks, and this is not a complete surprise considering that I don't think um, his market was nearly as strong as he expected it to be. There ha- there were talks last night, and our guy Doogie from The Scoop reported this. Anthony Harris was uh, back; had come back to the Vikings, and I think that there's a decent chance he signs back here, one, because the safety market itself was fairly uh, flooded. And two, I think when you go from having uh, six picks decks in 2019 and ha- having a great year and having the franchise tag at $11.4 million slapped on you to no picks and missing tackles and being disappointing, yep. I don't think that there's a lot of teams that are clamoring to to play to pay a safety i think if you played corner you might get paid still i think it's safety you probably had a lot a lot of teams that a year ago would have very much been in on harris this time around said no thanks i would not be surprised at all to see him back by harrison smith at safety
0: yeah uh, well first off clearly rick spielman and the vikings brain trust are big fans of vikings vent line because this exact idea was thrown out two weeks ago from one of our loyal listeners that Look, if he's coming off such a bad year and his market isn't going to be what he thought it was well you may as well just honestly sign a a team-friendly make good one-year deal and try to build up your value again and I don't and I'd rather them you know sign Anthony Harris one year five million than go and draft a six round safety and if he impresses in training camp and gets the starting gig you know I don't so I'd rather do that than take another j-ron curse 2.0 right like I'd rather have them just bring back Anthony Harris on a reasonable deal which I they would sure um, yeah, no problem with that. Because I, I I think also that was his lowest. And he may have been playing out of his mind. And he was, I believe, the number one graded safety in 2019 by PFF. And a lot of that has to do with playing with with Harrison Smith. So I, I'd rather see them bring back Anthony Harris on a one-year, easy, team-friendly deal than A, go and overpay for one of these safeties, which are available right now, or put in an, an inexperienced rookie who probably isn't going to make as, as big of an impact at Anthony Harris can. That's rabbi. Yeah. It. yeah. If,
1: if he'll come back, if he'll come back for five to 6 million, I do it. Yeah. If he still wants to get paid, I absolutely don't, but um, safety and running back to me. And this is not true across the board because there are some who are outstanding, but those are two of the positions at which I think that you can find guys. And I think a guy like Ant Harris, who is a good player, mm-hmm. but I think when a guy like that hits the market, Coming off the year that he had, I don't think the teams are clamoring to spend what uh, small cap room a lot of them probably have at this point. Sure. On It's more the position than the player. Uh, tell me this as we wrap up. As a Vikings fan, and so the um, tampering period ends, as I said before, 3 p.m. on Wednesday when teams can officially uh, start to sign these guys. As a Vikings fan, Declan Goff, where do you stand right now at what has, and probably more importantly, hasn't been done?
0: So like what, what ads would I like to see? Kind of like, what? well, no, but I mean,
1: are you, are are, are you, are you panicking the, I mean, the offensive line's barren, my man. The left side of the offensive line has no people.
0: If if uh, if the scale is ten, being what Phil Mackey was uh, yesterday on our emergency episode, called it a
1: disaster,
0: and one being uh, our great Vikings fans who call us absolutely crazy and they run it back and no, don't panic, everything's I fine. Saw
1: their tweets last night, so
0: that's the one. Bills the ten. I'm probably more in the six, six to seven, leaning towards Phil than I am than I am leaning towards everything's okay and trust the process. Um. Here's where I want to say, and I, and we can save this conversation, I think, for another date, but I think it's interesting. Sure. If you strike out on Shaquille Griffin, you're not going to go make a big sign in, in, in defense and, and bolster that place either. Mm-hmm. You may as well lean in and be all in on offense. You may as well draft a wide receiver. You may as well just say, you know what, screw it. We're going to try to put up points. And I know that's against the Zimmer philosophy, but I'd much rather say, you know what, forget this. Let's go three deep on wide receivers. Let's go all in on offense because trying to make your defense work right now, even with, with Band-Aid fixes, it's only going to take you so far. This, I know what that ceiling is. The Vikings offense was fourth in yards and 11th in points last year. I and, and there's more there. I know there's more there. So I'd rather see them just go, you know what? Screw this. We will hopefully be league average on defense, and we want to be a top five offense. That's where I'd rather them pivot.
1: Okay. If you, if you maintain the status quo right now, Dex, I think you have to draft, if, if you want to be good, I think you have to draft a left tackle, right? Or a tackle. Like, I don't think you can afford to take a receiver because you don't have. Either a left or right tackle. Like you don't. uh... I'm sorry, Rashad Hill. God bless him. He's coming back again. They re-signed him. He is a reliable backup. Okay, but we've seen this this movie when Rashad Hill has to start. It's a bad movie, my man. He gets zero stars. So are you telling me O'Neal at left tackle and Rashad Hill at right tackle, and you can't play Rashad Hill? He cannot start at left tackle. So depending on what your intentions are, like if you. If you strike out with and so far they have the upper level of free agency. So the defensive ends are now gone. Like let, let's see uh let's say to your point, Shaq Griffin goes back to Seattle. If you strike out um you got a decision to make about your entire team. Exactly. Well, and and but then do you get to the draft and be like, "Okay, we're not going to do a damn thing," which I don't think Spielman and Zim can do because they're fighting for their jobs, at least in, in their mind, and that's probably accurate. But, you know, if you you don't have any, you don't have a left guard right now, because I'm sorry, Dakota Dozier ain't coming back. You don't have a left tackle. Your intention was to get a pass rush defensive end to pair with Hunter. You mm-hmm. didn't do that. Uh, keep in mind, this Hunter thing is not going away. I don't think he shows up. For workouts or training camp without a new contract. So, if your intention is to talk him into coming back, good luck. Yeah, I, and it all could change. I have no clue, right? So, like, I am, I am not at the point of saying what Phil did. We don't know. There's time here to see if this is going to be a disaster or it's going to be okay or, or it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be great. But all of that being said, got to, You know, just to be frank here, if you get to the draft and you've done nothing,
0: do you start to take calls about Kirk? Do you start to talk about Kirk? I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious to see what happens, man. Because if you strike on Shaquille Griffin, and I'm like you, you, you made it very clear. I think the Vikings Vikings are one of those two strong offers for Shaq. If you're, if you're out on that, I think you have to pivot your entire way of thinking as, as a football team.
1: On Shaq Griffin, I get what they're doing. They're trying, they're trying to improve their secondary based on the fact that their pass rush with, if if uh, Hunter is back, should be improved. Um, but on Shaq Griffin, depending on what the contract is, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan, but I get what they're doing there. I agree. I get it. All right. Uh, we are uh, done. I'm sure that um, we'll be back at some point, possibly today, with Mackie for more Purple Daily. If the Vikings make a move, certainly we will come back for that. Uh, but for now, that's it. He's Declan. I'm Judd. We'll talk to you soon.